You're listening to the Pursue God Truth Podcast, the official channel for faith and life topics at PursueGod.org. Join us every week as we explore new topics from a biblical perspective. Hey everybody, today we're continuing on in the Gospel of Mark, so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 6, verses 14 to 29, and this is the passage in Scripture where John the Baptist kind of has a run-in with King Herod. He ends up losing his head, like literally losing his head. And it's one of these stories that you might read past really quickly. Maybe you don't pick up the significant, some of the significant content in the story. And in particular, maybe you kind of miss the legacy of John the Baptist and really what we can learn from John. Not just what we can learn from John the Baptist, but even what we can learn from Herod, like in a in a bad way. And, and I want to start with this, before we even read the text, we'll get into all that here today. But I want to start with this really simple question. I want you to think about your answer to this question. What shapes your picture of Jesus? You know, maybe think about your upbringing. Uh, maybe you were raised in a Christian home. And so your picture of Jesus is shaped by your parents, you know, for good or for bad. Maybe Maybe you had great parents, a great mom or a great dad, or both, if you're really blessed, where you know they, they represented Jesus well, and so now today you're a follower of Jesus. Or maybe for some of you, it's the opposite of that. Your upbringing kind of gave you a bad taste in your mouth about Jesus, about faith, about religion, whatever. Well, today I want you to really think about your picture of Jesus. I want to challenge it today. What shapes it? What impacts it? Maybe it's uh, some experiences you've had. Some of you, maybe you're sort of dipping your toe in the water at church. You're checking things out. Maybe you just found this podcast because you were interested in the, the death and the legacy of John the Baptist, whatever. Maybe somebody shared it with you. But some of your experiences have, have pushed you away from Jesus. Or maybe some of you, your experiences have pushed you toward Jesus. You know, sometimes that happens in our lives. We, you know, we have a tragedy in our lives. And for some people, they turn their back back on Jesus because of the tragedy. For other people, they turn toward Jesus because of the tragedy. You know, they, for other people, it's clarifying. They realize they need Jesus more than ever in the midst of their trial. So again, what shapes your picture of Jesus, your upbringing, your experiences, maybe, maybe some influences in your life. Some of you young people might be listening to this podcast and and, and I want you to think about some of the influences in your life who have shaped your view of Jesus. You know, junior high or high school or college, you, you, who you hang out with impacted your faith for a lot of people, sadly, in a negative way. They, they bail on Jesus because none of their friends are following Jesus or whatever. And sadly, a lot of people never return to faith. I think the statistic, most recent statistic I learned, I read about on this one is that 80% of young people who grew up in the home as Christians go off to college and deconstruct their faith. That's nuts to me. That's crazy to me how many people are leaving the faith because of the influences in their life, not just, you know... Um, your friends, we think of that obviously when we think of influences, but maybe even just influencers in social media, in culture, singers, um, actors, athletes, you know, so many people bail on their faith because of, of a famous person they've never even met 
that influences them in the wrong direction. So again, what shapes your picture of Jesus, your upbringing, your experiences, maybe some influences in your life, maybe just your emotions, your feelings. You know, we live in a culture that says, hey, act on your feelings, however you feel, go for it, you know, whatever you think. Like basically, our culture today says you are God. Your opinion rules, your opinion matters more than anyone else's. Don't let anyone tell you what to do, how to think, who to be, what gender you are, anything like that. We've, we've even just said that, kind of giving God the middle finger. You know, you, you can't tell me what I am. You made me a woman. Well, I'm going to rebel against that and I want to become a man. Or you may be a man. I want to rebel against that, become a woman. And so our culture encourages us to follow our feelings, follow our emotions, instead of to really give it some thought and say, well, God, what, what do you want? You know, how, how did you make me? And what did you want for me? We live in a culture that pushes us away, that really our culture is shaping our picture of Jesus. I mean, that's always been true, but I think now it's more true than ever before. Our culture is shaping our picture of Jesus. And, and so again, if you're listening, I really want you to think about that. Before we even read the story, we're going to read a story of Herod and Herodias and John the Baptist who ends up getting killed. And, and then we're going we're gonna to finish today with this story about, about Jesus and his teachings. And really, I want to add one more thing to this list that we've been building about what shapes your picture of Jesus. The last thing is, is the teachings of Jesus himself. I hope that more than anything else, the teachings of Jesus shape your picture of Jesus. And we're going to look at some of his teachings today. And some of those teachings are great. Some of those teachings are things that give you warm fuzzies inside and you really want to accept. But some of those teachings, and this is what we're going to see today, some of those teachings are hard. Some of the teachings of Jesus are difficult and they cause us to want to rebel. They cause us to want to turn away from Jesus. Or at the very least, they give us a different picture of Jesus than what we had all along. And sometimes that's a hard place to be in. It's, it's hard when you have a certain idea of Jesus or a, an idea of God. And then you, you begin to read scripture, you read the Bible, or you experience life. And, and all of a sudden, it kind of pushes against who you thought God was, what you thought Jesus was about. And, and this is what we're going to look at today, because we're going to study the, the story of John the Baptist, this, this legacy that John the Baptist leaves. And again, spoiler alert, he leaves a legacy because he literally loses his head. He gets beheaded. But I, I want you to see some of the gems in this story and see who you would relate to in this story, even as we read it, because there are a lot of different characters. And I wonder which character you relate the most to. Okay, so let's get into it. Mark chapter 6. And let's start with verse 14, 15, and 16. It says, Herod Antipas the king soon heard about Jesus because everyone was talking about him. Some were saying, this must be John the Baptist raised from the dead. That is why he can do such miracles. Others said, he's the prophet Elijah. And still others said, he's a prophet like the other great prophets of the past. But when Herod heard about Jesus, here's what he said of all those options we just read. Here's what, here's what Herod said in Mark chapter 6, verse 16. He said, John, the man I beheaded, has come back from the dead. See, Herod answered this question based on the guilty conscience that he had, 
He was being haunted by his guilty conscience because of, well, what we're about to read, because of the story that Mark's going to unfold for us in the next few verses. But I love that Mark starts it like this. I love that Mark starts this whole section of scripture off with the question about who Jesus is, because, because this isn't about who John is. This whole story, even though it's a story about John and the passion of John, there's actually two passion narratives in the, in the gospel of Mark. Obviously, the passion of Jesus. Passion means the suffering and death of Jesus. But the other passion narrative is right here. We're about to read it, the passion of John the Baptist. But I love that Mark starts off by talking about Jesus because, because the gospel, the whole Bible, is about Jesus. Even John the Baptist, his whole life was about Jesus. It wasn't about him. In fact, John famously said, I must decrease and he must increase. So John's whole life is about Jesus. And so, and I think Mark obviously understood that. And so Mark is framing the story of John the Baptist and his death and beheading. He's framing all of this in the context of the bigger question, which isn't who is John the Baptist? That's an interesting enough question. The bigger question is who is Jesus, right? What, what is your picture of Jesus? And I think it's really interesting that Herod had the wrong picture. I mean, spoiler alert, Herod's picture of Jesus was the wrong picture. Herod thought that Jesus was John the Baptist reincarnated. That's what we have here in this verse. So think about that. That's not true. Jesus is not the reincarnation of John the Baptist. That's kind of a silly idea. It was a rumor that was going around, but that's not who Jesus was. So spoiler alert, Herod gets the identity of Jesus wrong. We see that at the very beginning. Herod gets Jesus wrong. And as we read the story, we're going to see why he got him wrong. So let's read on. Verse 17. It said, For Herod had sent soldiers to arrest and imprison John. So Mark is kind of bringing us back. It's kind of like watching a movie where where you see sort of the end of the movie first, the first scene is the is the last scene, and now we're going to go back and see what led to that last scene. That's what that's what Mark's doing in this passage. So he goes back and he says Herod had sent soldiers to arrest and imprison John as a favor to Herodias. She had been his brother Philip's wife, but Herod had married her. John had been telling Herod it's against God's law for you to marry your brother's wife. So Herodias bore a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. So we see what's going on here. Herod breaks. Herod is Jewish, but he's not living according to the Old Testament law. John calls it out. John's a prophet, so he calls it out. He's not afraid to speak truth to Herod. And, um, and so Herodias, the wife, was ticked off. So she has this grudge and she wants to kill him. But it's interesting, it says, but without Herod's approval, she was powerless because Herod respected John. So already we see this difference. We see Herodias hates John, wants to kill John, but Herod has a little bit of a different approach. Herod respects John. He, he's interested in John. He's intrigued. He says, knowing that he was a good and holy man, Herod protected John the Baptist. So even though he imprisoned him, he was still protecting him. And in fact, it says that Herod was greatly disturbed whenever he talked with John. But even so, he liked to listen to him. So just pay, I want to read that verse again, verse 20. And I want you to think about these kind of these two sort of two sides of the spectrum. And I think it's really representative 
of a lot of people today, maybe even you as you're listening to this, wherever you find yourself in your pursuit of God. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, or maybe maybe you're just sort of exploring it. You you would say, well, I'm kind of on the fence. I'm, I'm still, I'm interested, but I'm not sure exactly. And so maybe you can relate to this. It says that Herod was greatly disturbed whenever he talked with John. So on one side, he's dis- disturbed, right? Because because John is judging him, John is pointing fingers, John is saying, you're living in sin, you're wrong. So on the, on the one side, Herod is disturbed, but it's interesting, even so, he liked to listen to him. So there's this other side of Herod where he's curious. He's really interested, like, what are you all about? What is this message all about? And isn't, isn't that a perfect picture of a lot of religious seekers today? They they're interested in Jesus. They're, they're curious about the, the stuff that Jesus says that's good, the stuff that we like, the stuff that lines up with our feelings, that, that aligns with our um, what we want to be true. So it's kind of like this smor- smorgasbord Christianity. We, we pick the stuff we love from Jesus, but we throw out all the other stuff. We, we're disturbed by the judgment. You know, we read some of these verses that we're like, I don't like the sound of that. That doesn't sound like my picture of Jesus. And so Herod's got this going on. He's disturbed on one hand. He doesn't like some of the teachings of John. Again, remember, John's whole life is about Jesus. So certainly these teachings were about Jesus. John isn't just telling Herod about himself. John is telling Herod about, well, he's telling Herod what he told everybody. And he was pointing people to Jesus. That's what his mission in life was. And so Herod is so interested in some of the things that he's saying about Jesus but then at the same time, he's disturbed and doesn't accept. He's rejecting some of the stuff that John is saying. But the whole time, he's keeping him right there. So he's disturbed and curious. Now, as we go on, it's interesting because verse 21 tells us about this moment of weakness in Herod's life. So he's in this place that is, I would suggest to you, he's in this place that's a very dangerous place to be. He's He's, he's interested partly in Jesus, but he's also kind of a little bit ticked off and disturbed about some of the other teachings of Jesus. And if that describes you, listener, today, then I want, I want to say you are in a very, very precarious place. You're sitting on a fence. And be careful. Be careful because, because you might get pushed to the wrong side of the fence. And that's what's going to hap- happen in Herod's life. Verse 21, it says, Herodias's chance came on Herod's birthday. Remember, Herodias was his wife, but who was also his, who was previously his brother's wife. So it was a bad thing. He gave a party for his high government officials, his army officers, and the leading citizens of Galilee. And then his daughter, who was also named Herodias, came in and performed a dance that greatly pleased Herod and his guests. Now, I want to make sure you understand what this dance was. This was not like an innocent little birthday dance. This was scandalous. This was um, really akin to pornography, like watching pornography on TV late at night. This, but he's doing it. He's doing it with all of his friends. But that, but make make no mistake about it. That's the kind of influence that we're looking at here. We're looking at this this young woman, and, and this is just how Satan loves to work. He loves to use anyone he can to influence us away from Jesus. And Herodias was the person in this particular story. Think about your own influencers, the people maybe who have drawn you away from a proper picture of Jesus or from following 
the God of the Bible. Anyway, that was Herodias in the story. And so Herod said this to her. He loved the dance. He was turned on by it. He says, ask me for anything you like, and I will give it to you. And he even vowed, you can tell he was just, he was probably drinking. He was probably a little bit, a little bit of this might've been his, you know, sort of the, uh, his liquid courage speaking. He even vowed, I will give you whatever you ask up to half my kingdom. Okay. A dumb thing to say, but you could see that he wasn't really thinking straight. So she went out and she asked her mother, what should I ask for? And her mother said, this is our moment. Ask for the head of John the Baptist. And so the girl hurried back to the king and told him, I want the head of John the Baptist right now on a tray. You notice how she added that? I mean, so Herodias was in, the daughter was into it just as much as the mom was into it. And then the king deeply regretted what he had said. There's that regret again. Remember, he was, that's kind of how this whole story starts, that he was regretting what he's about to do here. But because of the vows he had made in front of his guests, he couldn't refuse her. So there's probably some pride at work here as well. So he immediately sent an executioner to the prison to cut off John's head and bring it to him. The soldier beheaded John in the prison, brought his head on a tray and gave it to the girl who took, who took it to her mother. And when John's disciples heard what had happened, they came to get his body and buried it in a tomb. And so there it is. There's the, there's the story. There's the, the, the end of the passage for today. Now we're going to have a little more to say. But for now, that's the end of the passage. And, and I, I want to I just kind of summarize what's going on here in these verses. In a moment of weakness, Herod sold out John the Baptist and had him beheaded. Now, here's where I want to connect it to our lives. Because remember, the question we're asking today is, what has shaped your picture of Jesus? And now we're starting to see that Herod's picture of Jesus, remember, which was the wrong picture. He thought Jesus was John the Baptist reincarnated. Reincarnation's not a thing. That's not who Jesus is at all. Jesus is God. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior of the world. But, but Herod got it wrong. And we see at least in part why Herod got it wrong. He got it wrong because in a moment of weakness, this, this, sex, this object of sex and sexuality drew him away from really pursuing the God of the Bible. And it really is a frightening example of how easily we can be influenced to turn away from the pathway that can lead us to Christ. I mean, think about it. He had John the Baptist down there in a dark cell, like the, the one who was pointing him in their conversations, the one who was pointing him to Jesus, and then, and then he beheads him. What, what a... Boy, what a metaphor. What a metaphor for how we can act today. I want you to think about who it is in your life who is influencing you toward Christ. Young people, maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's a mentor or a, a Christian friend at church or whatever. You know, some of you older folks listening to this, maybe it's a, it's a friend at work, a coworker who's, who's a believer and who's a good positive influence on you. Uh, young adults, maybe you're out there, you're at a pivotal point. College students, you're at a pivotal point. You're on the fence right now trying to decide what you're going to believe. Isn't it so true that the, that the simplest, most basic instincts, like the sexual instinct that we have, can in a moment, just one single moment of weakness, can turn us away from the thing that could lead us to Jesus? That instead of 
having those conversations with that John the Baptist character in our life, right? That, that person who knows Jesus and wants to point us to Jesus, which was John the Baptist's whole mission in life. Instead of, instead of doing that and hanging around with those people, we cut off their head, so to speak. We cut them out of our lives. Or at least we keep them, just keep them in, we keep them locked up. And we go off and chase these other things. So again, I want you to think about your picture of Jesus and, and those influences in your life that can be either be for good or for bad. That, that either you can, you can pursue God because of those influences or you can pursue your own desires, which means you're going away from God and you're going away from his will and the solution that we all can have in Jesus. So that's Herod's story. Now, again, the Mark text is done. We just read chapter 6, verses 14 to 29. It's really kind of all Mark gives us. But, but I want to close this episode by looking at one more person in the story because, because maybe you didn't realize that John the Baptist himself had to make a decision also. You know, it wasn't just Herod who was on the fence trying to decide about what he believed about Jesus. John the Baptist surprisingly had to make the same decision. Now you might say, wait, how could John the Baptist? John the Baptist is like Jesus's cousin. John the Baptist was one of the great, in fact, Jesus himself is going to say he's the one of the greatest man to ever live. So how could a guy like John the Baptist have a crisis of faith? Well, we're going to answer that. But, but to answer it, we have to go to Matthew chapter 11, one of the other gospels, in, in starting in verse 2, it says this, that John the Baptist, who was in prison, so here we are, we're going back to John the Baptist in prison still, before he gets beheaded, heard about all the things that the Messiah, Jesus, was doing, and so he sent his disciples to ask Jesus one of the most confusing and curious questions in the whole Bible. Here was the question that John the Baptist had his disciples ask Jesus. Are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? Isn't that interesting? John the Baptist, from his dark prison cell, was starting to have his doubts about who Jesus really was. See, John was bringing judgment to Herod. You know, John stood up and he did the right thing, right? He he spoke out, he called out Herod's sin. He was the only one to do it. And so he gets imprisoned as a result of it. What was Jesus doing? Jesus, Jesus wasn't running around at this point, bringing judgment. I mean, read these passages. Jesus wasn't, Jesus never went to Herod and called Herod out for his sin. John the Baptist did. So you can understand how John the Baptist is kind of confused. He's like, wait a second. I'm bringing judgment to the world, and I thought the Messiah was on board with this kind of thing, but the Messiah is only bringing joy. In fact, look at what Jesus told John's disciples, verse 4. He said, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. And then he gives him a little list. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life. And the good news is being preached to the poor. And, uh, and I'm, sure, I'm sure John, when he heard this, he's like, exactly. That's why I'm asking the question. Like, why is Jesus only bringing blessing? Why isn't he bringing judgment? It isn't, 
isn't Jesus, doesn't God want to bring judgment to sin? Doesn't, doesn't God want to call out sinners? And the answer is yes, God does want to call out sinners. So you can understand why John's confused. He's like, well, then Jesus, why aren't you doing that? Why are you just healing the blind and the lame and the people with leprosy and the deaf and raising the dead to life? Why are you just bringing good news? Why aren't you bringing any of the bad news? So again, some of you Christians listening to this are, are starting to get worked up because you're saying, yes, that's my question too. And maybe this is part of why you're struggling. You look at the world and, and you're, you're trying to make sense. I don't understand. I don't understand why God doesn't bring more judgment. That's exactly where John the Baptist was in the prison cell. Jesus, why don't you come and bring judgment on Herod instead of letting Herod bring judgment on me? That sums up John the Baptist's question. And Jesus doesn't answer the question. Uh, in fact, he almost like complicates the question by quoting these verses. He, you know, when he says the blind will see, the lame will walk, all that stuff, he's actually quoting four well-known prophecies from the book of Isaiah. And you can maybe on your own time, go back and look them up. Isaiah 35, five, five and six. Isaiah 61, verse one. Isaiah 26, verse 19. And Isaiah 29, verses 18 to 19. So go back and read those on your own. And, 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 and I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pay attention to where the blind will see, the lame will walk, the leprosy, lepers will be cured, the deaf will hear, the dead will be raised to life, the good news will be preached to the poor. Because that's what Jesus is doing. He's, he's quoting a messianic prophecies from the, from the book of Isaiah written 800 years before but here's the interesting thing, and Expositor's Bible Commentary points this out, that there's a, subtle, there's a subtlety to Jesus' response that you might not have picked up on, but I think John the Baptist would have. And so if you, if you go back and read those passages, Isaiah 35, 61, 26, and 29, the subtlety was that all four Isaiah passages refer to judgment also. So go back and read it, and you'll see that those are prophecies about the Messiah. And the prophecies, yes, they talk about the blessings that will come, and that's what Jesus brings up, but they also talk about the judgment that will come. And so Expositor's Bible Commentary says it like this, thus Jesus was elusively responding to the Baptist's question. And here was his response. The blessings promised for the end time have broken out and prove it is here, even though the judgments are delayed. And that was, that was John the Baptist's problem. Judgments were being delayed. Blessings, blessings were here, ushering, ushering in the messianic age, but the judgments were being delayed. And so John had a crisis of faith because of it. It didn't, it didn't match up with his picture of Jesus. He, he had pictured that the Messiah was going to come and, and bring a heavy hand and bring judgment to the world. But up until this point, at least up until this point, the Messiah had come and only, bring, only brought blessing. And so Jesus said, or John the Baptist said, so are you the one? Or should we wait for someone else? Because you're not matching up to my picture. And look at what Jesus adds at the end in verse 6, Matthew 11, verse 6. He said this, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. Isn't that interesting? Jesus understood 
that his teachings could be difficult. Jesus understood that that for some people, their picture of Jesus would be challenged precisely because of the teachings of Jesus. And so he said this, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. And that was a direct statement to John the Baptist. God will bless you, John, if you do not fall away because of me. I know I'm not matching up to what you thought I would be, but you will be blessed if you don't fall away. Hang in there, John. Hang in there. Because you're going to see someday that the blessings and the judgment will come and you're going to see that I truly am the Messiah. And Jesus ended that passage in Matthew 11 like this. He said, I tell you the truth of all who have ever lived. None is greater than John the Baptist. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. And from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. And that's exactly what happened in John the Baptist. I mean, John the Baptist's story proves that out. The kingdom of heaven was advancing through people like John the Baptist, but violent people were attacking John the Baptist and messengers of Jesus, those who would really hang on to the right picture of Jesus through thick and thin, even through trials. Jesus was basically saying, you are going to be attacked by violent people if you follow the Jesus of the Bible. And look, I want you to really hear this today because I think we're living in a day and in a culture that's not unlike John the Baptist's day and culture that if we're following the Jesus of the Bible, and I hope that you are, I hope that if you're listening to this, that the story of John the Baptist would encourage you, would embolden you, that this legacy that he's leaving for you is a legacy, just like Jesus is saying, like no one is greater than him. But but look, even, even, even the least in the kingdom of heaven can be as great as, as John the Baptist. Why did he say that? Because, because he's saying, look, he's speaking to us 2,000 years later. He's saying, look, I hope that you'll hang in there And I hope that you'll make your life mission what John the Baptist's life mission was, which is to point people to the real Jesus, to be one of those positive influences that point people to the real Jesus, even though violence might come against you, even though you might have your own Herod in your life. There there might be someone in your culture, in our culture, that that comes against us and, and, and gets violent with us because we're just trying to we're just trying to reveal the real Jesus of the Bible. So for those of you out there who who can relate to John the Baptist's story and maybe you've had your own crisis of faith, you're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, but but some of the th- teachings of Jesus have been hard to grasp. I just want to read this again, Jesus's words to John and to you and to me. God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. Don't stumble over Jesus' teachings. Submit to them. Jesus, whatever whatever you say, I'm going to believe it. Whatever you teach, I want to follow your teaching, even if it's hard to accept. And for those of you who are listening who who relate more to Herod, I, I encourage you, I encourage you today to consider the influences in your life. Consider the experiences, consider your upbringing, consider, consider the Herodias's in your life. What are the things that are distracting you? What are the things that, as you're on the fence, what are the things that are pulling you away from Jesus? And I challenge you to turn 
to the word of God and turn to those who truly are preaching the biblical Jesus, like the John the Baptist in that dark cell, and say, tell me more. I want to learn, I want to learn about the real Jesus. I want to get the right picture of the Messiah. Hey listeners, this is Brian Dwyer reminding you to rate this show on your favorite podcast app. That really does help us when you do that. That way more people can discover this podcast and start listening. And also, don't forget to share the podcast with a friend.